Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Maybe want to get a piece of that. Pretty good. I want to talk about sexy teens. I was getting erections. It's a very creepy feeling. I can guarantee that underwear theft will come up again. None of this is relevant. Pokemon, Pokeballs. 750 milliliter bottle of rum. Welcome to the Velocity Podcast. A study in monology. This is your grumpy uncle Peter. He will say words at you. So, core question If education increases atheist rates, is school satanic and against God? This would sound like a joke question, except logically speaking, the answer is yes. If you are a Christian and you believe in God, and there is an actual statistic that people with better educations are more likely to be atheists, they put less faith in religion. Education takes people away from God then logically speaking, education is against God. Although realistically, it's not against God, it just teaches scientific process and fact and, and how to think. But if that is against God, then education is satanic, and you are left with a pretty big conundrum. Because a lot of people believe that you know governments are also in league with Satan, and it's the governments that force your kids to go to school. So the governments force your kids to be educated and they're forced to learn other things, like that the world is round. It's more than 4,000 years old. That Santa's not real. It's these things that school does to your children. Then yes, the government and its school and education, they're all against God, which means you should not be voting for politicians. You should not engage in government and should not have your kids in school. Now, this is not a conspiracy on my part to put that message out there so that Christian people and people with these strong faiths don't get educations and therefore can't get good jobs and don't participate in the political system so they no longer have a say in how things are governed. That's not my intent. But you should do that. You should not send your kids to school and you should not vote. A core question. My 16-year-old son has a full beard and won't shave it off. How do I get him to shave it off? Should I just do it myself while he's asleep? Now, the second part of this question makes me think it's not a real question. But I would love the idea of someone trying to shave off a beard while someone remains asleep the whole time. I know there are heavy sleepers in the world, but I don't think running a razor along someone's face continuously is going to not wake them up. I think you're going to wake up at some point pretty quickly. If it's a full beard, like a full thick beard, those are not actually easy to shave off. You probably need clippers first. You need to clip it down and then shave it so it's clean. So I'm a very light sleeper. So they have these prank shows in Japan and stuff where they have people who sleep really heavily and they like take their bed out of the house and they, they like put them somewhere else so they wake up in a field or something. That was a joke on TV shows for a little while. And it, it was funny. I just didn't believe it. I didn't believe someone would stay asleep through that whole process. I, as I just said, I'm a very light sleeper. So you like open the door and I'm probably awake. You will not be sneaking up on me, unless I'm probably really drunk or something. You'd have to do something to get me into such a state where I am no longer waking up every time there's a noise. This is from a very traumatic incident when I was a child. Um, 
which I might as well tell you now because, of course, it's just going to be a story later. If I don't tell this story, someone will send a message saying, tell us the story. My father was actually a very kind man in some ways, and he knew I was relatively antisocial. So he decided to build an antisocial room in the basement. I think he just wanted to build something. So he built like a little bedroom in the basement instead of upstairs. So I had my own room and it was all kind of separated from everyone else. And that felt really cool to me. There's a TV down there. It was a shared TV. But since it was right next to my room, that was really cool. I was really happy with that. Now this meant that the basement was underground. So there was a window in the room and it was the window that led to the ground outside. And one evening, a man decided to break into our house. Now, we had dogs and stuff, so I don't think he was going to get very far anyways. But he chose this window, he broke in, and he stepped down. And the thing is, under that window was my head. So he essentially stepped onto my head. And that's what woke me up. And so I freaked out, I screamed and stuff, and he just ran away, like climbed up through the window and like took off. We called the police and stuff, but I mean, nothing had actually happened. I mean, I'd had my head stepped on. I don't think you're even going to call that assault, but who knows? From that point on, I was a very light sleeper. A single traumatic incident, honestly not that bad, had my head stepped on. It was just weird and freaky. And I've never really deeply slept since. Fine. Separate issue. How should this woman get her kid, who's 16-year-old, 16 years old to shave off a beard she doesn't like. Now, clearly he likes it because if he's 16 and he has a full beard, he looks older. And I remember when I was 16, I couldn't grow a full beard. And I absolutely would have if I could have. I had a friend who was 17. He could grow a full beard and he could buy us alcohol because he would go to the shop and they wouldn't actually card him because he looked that much older. But there's a really simple solution to this. He's 16 years old, which means he doesn't have much money. So you offer him money. And I bet it doesn't take very much because... 16-year-olds, a little bit of money is a lot of money to them. So you offer him some money. You say, I will give you this money if you shave your beard. Now that sets up a precedent though, because that only works once. And then he now has a baseline of payment for future shaving incidences. So you have to be careful. If you want this just once, you just want him to get rid of the beard. You can offer him money. If you say this is a permanent contract, you have to remain clean shaven for X amount of years. I will pay you X amount of money. That's a more sensible way to set up that contract because then he cannot renege and then just like grow a beard in two months later. Otherwise, there are other negotiating tactics. He must want things and stuff and you know his life must have things that he needs or wants. And you can negotiate with those things because I think people forget these are human beings. They have stuff. You have stuff. That is already a negotiating table. So off you go. So if you want your son to shave his beard, I bet it's not worth the effort. You don't like it. You're not going to like a lot of stuff. I remember when I was 16, my mom hated everything I did. But I was a shitty kid, so I guess that's fair. This is the holiday season, and something that has come up several times, people have talked to me about uh, when I found out Santa wasn't real. And finding about, this actually came up, one of my students said she has a junior high school student, so like a 12, 13-year-old, and that junior high school student still believes in Santa Claus, which actually shows me that education has failed that child. Because if they examine Santa logically at any point, with any education, they should realize that Santa's not real. It's a completely separate issue. I then related the story of when I found out Santa wasn't real, and it basically directed my decision in how I dealt with my children. So my kids, 
I've never told them that something that isn't real is real. So like Santa, Tooth Fairy, anything like that. If they believed in any of that, it didn't come from me. And if they asked me, I told them the truth. Now, I didn't want to take away any sort of joy or happiness. So I don't want people to think I'm just mean and being vicious because I think that's wrong as well. I told them that Santa was a character, much like cartoon characters that we see on TV. They're not real. You enjoy them, but you have fun thinking about them and using your imagination, but they're just not real. So the Disney characters, the cartoon characters, Ampa Man, these are not real things. And you know that pretty early on. Santa's the same as that. So we could write a letter to him. It's for fun. We can, you know, wrap our presents and you'll get presents from Santa. But I just want you to know that that's me and mom. That's, in that way, my kids never had the experience that I had. Because I remember, I don't know how old I was. I think I was nine or eight. And my sister told me that Santa wasn't real. But it was the way she told me as if I was a moron for not having figured it out already that I still believed in Santa. So this shattered me. This really broke my mind. And it was because I realized I was being torn apart for something I believed. But it was something I believed because I had been told this thing by my parents. So my parents had lied to me and now I looked stupid because of it. And that broke my trust in my parents. And I'm in my 40s, late 40s no less. And I still remember that day clearly. So that's how much of a clear impact it had. And when dealing with my own children, it had such an impact that I decided to ensure that my children would not go through the same experience. So if anyone went to my kids and said, oh, you know, Santa's not real. They'd be like, yeah, moron. Why are you even bothering? So that's significant. And I always felt underneath that maybe I couldn't trust my parents because they were comfortable lying to me. And I never wanted to do that to my kid. And this kid, this Japanese kid that I mentioned at the beginning, who still believes, now they've actually done that child a disservice because they're going to be far, far too old. And someone's going to tell them that Santa's not real and it's going to kill them. And this brought up another story I believe I've told on the podcast before. And it was, I was in Austria. There was only two times in my life I've had my reality shattered. And that was one, Santa. The second was, I was in a bar in Austria. It was my friend's wedding. And they were still playing Knight Rider on TV. And I was like, oh, Knight Rider, I used to love that show. It's really stupid. Like cars jumping, smashing things. Great. The opening sequence has Knight Rider, Kit, do the boost that for some reason makes him jump into the air, which actually, as soon as you think about it, doesn't make any sense. Boost should make you go faster, sure, but there's nothing that would actually shoot him up in the air. We're going to let that go. Kit jumps through the open doors of a car of a train that is in motion. Now, I sat and watched that, and everything I had believed to be true was no longer true. Because I thought they had jumped a real car through a real train. And it was moving. And I just thought, wow, the calculations, how hard that must have been. And then when I saw it in my 20s, maybe my 30s, when I saw this, it was clearly a model. It was a model train and a model car. And they jumped it through. And they probably timed it out perfectly because they had full control over everything. And it was just little tiny models. And they never jumped a real car. And I started drinking. Because while I had never gone back and examined that truth, there was a part of me that believed they must have had like 10, 20 attempts to try to jump through this car, through this train and get the timing perfectly right. And it was an amazing thing and they'd done this and it was real. And then I found out it wasn't. 
apparently it was pretty hard to get me out of that bar because they were coming and talking to me and going like, you know, what's wrong, man? What's happened? I'm just like, it's not real. Didn't jump car through train. Not real. Nothing's real. How do I know you're real? Love isn't real. And that's what we've learned from all this. Love isn't real. So I kind of got into the Steven Seagal bad song trench. I don't know what you're going to call it. I was pretty deep, dark in there. There's actually, you might be like, hey, are we finally done with Steven Seagal? The answer is no. We will never be done with Steven Seagal. I will go after him again and again and again. Uh, I actually watch most of his films. I can't help it. I used to, one of my first internet projects was called the the Ninja Liquor Kung Fu Internet Movie Database, where I reviewed Kung Fu movies from the 70s, which, because I run a podcast, is very hard to do, because most of it was visual jokes. Like, I would have pictures, stills from the film, and I'd make fun of something in the picture. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to bring that back. I guess video would be the way to go, but uh, we're talking about an exponentially large amount of work, comparatively speaking. And so it's the time The time is what I'm trying to figure out. I would like to do bad movie reviews again. I'm just trying to figure out how. And I'm thinking the only place is YouTube for that. Which means it's probably never going to happen. Just because I don't have time to sit and do all that work. If I shut down like all my podcasts and then switch to that, I could. But I actually kind of like podcasting. None of this matters. I watched a movie called Lady Battle Cop. That is the most important thing. This was a movie from 1990 in Japan. I got it because I thought it was going to be bad, which is a a really weird reason to watch a film. There was some implied sexuality that I was looking forward to that never actually, you know, manifested. So I don't know if I'm disappointed or I actually find it funnier that I thought there was going to be like nudie bits and there weren't. You got kind of a bit of side boob at one point when she's taking a shower. This is a movie that is essentially a ripoff of Robocop. So it's Lady Robocop would actually summarize most of it. It's a future Japan. And it's funny because they opened the movie with somewhere, sometime, but it's clearly Japan. Everyone's Japanese and it's clearly the 1990s. This woman is the number two tennis player. She gets the number two award. And that to me is already like, why number two? Because she's not playing tennis. They do have a tennis montage. She doesn't actually play tennis. It's like someone throws her some balls and she hits them back. Not particularly. I guess that's why she's number two. Because her skills were not enough to make her look like number one. So she is athletic, I think, is what they were trying to imply. There's a tragedy and they put her body in this suit. They make it seem like RoboCop where there's not much body left and you just see her mouth. But then that is pre-shower scene. So they have a shower scene where she takes off pretty much the whole RoboCop-esque uniform. And then she's just a human underneath. And then RoboCop, you know, he had, uh, does he have emotions? Does he not have emotions? She has no emotions until she actually sees a friend. And then she's just like perfectly normal again. So I think they kind of missed the point of the movie they were ripping off, which was a question of like, how much machine can you have before you are no longer a man? That kind of thing. I don't know. But Lady Battle Cop has a song and they play it twice. And the lyrics for me, this is sort of what I did with the Steven Seagal song. They were a bit confusing, just in tone. So if I was writing a song, I think one of the things you want is a consistent tone or at least you want to build. So you're building towards some kind of like, black hole sun crescendo 
right? Like, so you got to, you know, build up and then it black and it gets bigger. So I am going to play the song from Lady Battle Cop. Now it's in Japanese, so I'm assuming most of you don't understand it. So I'm going to read the subtitles that played along with it in a completely, uh, well, my voice, which is fairly monotone when I'm speaking, just so you can get a, a taste of what I went through. Because if I go through it, apparently you have to now too. So she's riding a motorcycle. When I lost what was precious to me, I felt I wanted to become stronger. My days of being treated gently were over. I cast off my past life. Even if a thousand eyes are aimed at me, No, no, no. No give up. I won't extinguish the fire of love and hatred. No, no, no. No give up. Women were made for tennis. So I'm going to stop there. Because we have a woman in a battle suit with her gun out she was riding a motorcycle it was very cool it was leading into this scene and then she's about to go murder hundreds of people like she does a lot of shooting she's bulletproof so they shoot at her nothing happens uh she just shoots them they all die but the tennis theme seems slightly mismatched because the tone leading up to it the you know, my gentle life is over. I'm going to to be a better person, stronger. I'm going to keep the fire of a hatred alive in my heart. That doesn't match with women were made for tennis. And I don't think women were made for tennis. I think lots of people like tennis, men and women. I don't think of tennis as being a particularly female or male game. It's just one of those sort of unisex games that everyone can enjoy. But the fact that she never really engages in tennis, she had won an award at the beginning of the movie and then they have her do that montage and then she never plays tennis again. It's not like Lady Battle Cop in her battle uniform plays tennis. I'm just wondering how that became the theme song for Lady Battle Cop. Whose decision was it when they wrote these lyrics were like, uh, you know, she's she has to give up her old life and become the Lady Battle Cop. Uh, she, she has to, you know, forget her past life, but she won't let go of love and hatred. She's going to hold on to those and make herself stronger. And oh yeah, and women were made for tennis. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments, you can tweet at VelociPeter or email VelociPodcast at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast or go to VelociPeter.com slash podcast. So after recording that Lady Battle Cop bit, I realized that someone got paid more to write and record the Lady Battle Cop tennis theme than I've ever been paid for this podcast. And I suddenly feel like maybe... I've done everything wrong. Because how does that work out? How how does someone... I try to put weirdly thoughtful yet strange content 
up every week and someone got paid money to write women are made for tennis and then a band got paid money to record it and it got put in a movie and maybe they got residuals i don't know i mean i just feel like the world isn't fair anymore 